Welcome to another episode of Acts of the Blood God, an independent RPG podcast. I am your host, Cat Bailey. Joining me as always, my lovely co-host, Nadia Oxford. Hello, Cat. How is life treating you? Well, that's a very broad question in these dark times, but we got a new RPG. We got a new RPG to review, so I suppose that is pretty good times. Yeah, I mean, uh, whatever else you can say about the universe, we have a new Tales game, and it's pretty darn good. So uh, we passed that smell test, at least. We sure did. Also, Nadia, we have a special guest, and who is that? Hi, it's Eric. <laughs> Eric Van Allen's <laughs> back, and I'm trying not to laugh because this is an audio podcast, so y'all can't see it, but it looks like Kat is trying to catch a small creature with her mic underneath some sort of box contraption right now. <laughs> this is my way of trying to cancel Echo as best as, as possible. So get it doesn't... James Woods under there with some Reese's pieces. <laughs> oh, is that what it is? Oh, Lord. Hi, everyone. It's Eric from Destructoid slash Normandy FM here to talk about the one and only thing you know I would be here to talk about. We're talking tales. Welcome back, Eric. How are things going and how is Normandy FM going? Uh, Things are going good. Uh, It's been a very long and hectic review season already. They told me that the review season is supposed to start in the fall and it never stopped. It, it's just been going all year. So I don't know. I don't know what time is anymore, but that's pandemic life. And uh, Normandy FM's going great. We're in the middle of Final Fantasy 10 right now. And that's been a really interesting game to like go back to uh, that. It's it's so we did not intend to line it up with the 20th anniversary. We just keep like falling backwards into these good timings for things. But that game ages interestingly i'll say um it's definitely one of the weirder final fantasies to go back and play because it stands out so much but i think while playing it especially having like recently played final fantasy 7 remake and been looking back at some of the older final fantasies in that regard uh you can really see how 10 was kind of the breaking point of them going from one you know the playstation one style rpgs into let's just start experimenting with stuff let's just get wild so eric <laughs> it's cool did you read my article on inverse about how final fantasy 10 and 8 owe so much to romeo and juliet the 1996 baz Luhrmann movie oh my god i didn't know you wrote you eric. have to dm me these things nadia that is so <laughs> my can we curse on blood god i always forget oh hell yes that is so my shit like that <laughs> please yeah no, I will send that to you because I am proud of the article. That is like probably my favorite thing I've written all year. Uh, I was watching like the, oh, you know, the Doves learning. Cry music video that oh, for yeah. that particular oh, yeah. movie. And I was watching that because it was circulating again for whatever reason. I said, God damn, this is Final Fantasy 8 slash 10 right here. And so <laughs> I kind of pitched the idea to Inverse and they're like, yeah, we, we are very interested in that. So I went ahead and wrote it and it was actually really great. I, I need to check that out. The Boz Lerman one. I, oh, it's, mm. it's genius. I don't think I've seen that since high school. That's it's probably been a while. not. I hadn't. Then I rewatched it. I'm like, oh my god, this is this is culture right here. This is culture. This, this what is we kind need of is... specific culture that makes me miss US gamer all the more. <laughs> I know, huh? Like, because I had read like, uh, or someone told me, oh yeah, Namora is a huge fan of that movie. I'm like, yeah, no crap. I, mean, I understand yeah, everything no, that now. That lines up. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, Eric, we have you on the show today because we are going to be reviewing Tales of Arise, which you reviewed for Destructoid. Nadia also reviewed Tales of Arise. She did it for Rock Paper Shotgun, noted JRPG purveyor, question mark. And we are going to talk all about whether or not Bandai Namco's latest foray into the Tales series is able to kind of live up to expectations that it will be able to revive the series, bring it into the next generation, bring it up to a new level. We shall see. But before we get to that, a little bit of housekeeping. Of course, you can follow me on Twitter, the underscore Catbot. Nadia is at Nadia Oxford. And Eric is at Moosey. That's S-E-A-M-O-O-S-I. And every time I say his Twitter handle, I always go full Minnesotan. Oh, it's oh. great. It's great. Oh. I love it. <laughs> the full Minnesotan. I don't even want to know what that is, but. We are also on Patreon, patreon.com slash bloodgodpod, where you get lots of bonus episodes, including our Pantheon episodes, our Pantheon exploration of such wonderful games as Tales of Vesperia, which we are currently in the middle of playing. And Eric, we're going to have you back to talk about that. I'm looking forward to it. There's a dog that smokes a pipe in it. And like, what more do you need out of video games than a dog that smokes a pipe in your RPG party? It's it's a perfect game that's what i've been saying truly it can never be topped all right it's time to talk about what we have been playing our sacrifices to the blood god nadia i think we are both playing the same thing because it just came out the final fantasy 4 pixel remaster not a of the two of us you are the bigger final fantasy 4 fan so i'm curious how is it hitting you how are you enjoying it well, first of all, I feel like a real dunce because I did not, I either did not know or I completely forgot that the mobile ports of these games do not support controllers. And what? That is yeah. ridiculous. I'm sorry. Isn't that silly? That is very, very oh, silly come because on. I'm playing it on my iPad and, you know, I can play it on my phone, in which case, you know, you don't need the controller, but I don't want my thumbs covering half the screen. And it looks very nice on the iPad, and I'm using kind of the the touch tap controls for it, and it works. Like, but it's uh, I, I really wanted to use a controller, but for now I'm using the tap. It's it's fine. Uh, it's I mean hell, it's Final Fantasy IV. You, I can't go wrong with Final Fantasy IV, no matter what version I play. But I'm I'm really impressed by some things like the map. Holy crap, they did a great thing with the map where you touch the map button and everything's laid out in 3D. You see what's where, you see the treasures as you, whether you collect them or you didn't, that's really, really, you don't have to waste any steps, basically. And you have, you can move faster, you have like a kind of a sprint going on, you can speed up battles. But then there's small things that are missing, like in every version of Final Fantasy IV, when you fight an enemy that's uh, like a bird or something, something that's flying, you see like it has a float animation attached to it. And that's gone in this version of the game. And it's a very, very small thing, but it's I'm just very curious. Why I know that's what gone. you mean. I know what you mean, Nadia. Yeah, yeah. that's always something that stood out to me. And I didn't even really think about it until I played Final Fantasy IV Pixel Remastered. And so I was like, like thinking about it when you bring it up, I'm like, oh, yeah, it doesn't float. Yeah. That's a small detail. But the small details really add up, don't they? They do. I remember always being impressed with that. And I had played Final Fantasy 4 after playing 6, which didn't have that little feature, but I appreciated it in 4. Otherwise, I think so far I'm having a really good time with it, uh, controls aside. Yeah, there's part of me that really enjoys Final Fantasy 4 Pixel Remaster. I'm like going, wow, this looks good. It feels like it's true to the look and the feel of the original Final Fantasy 4 on Super Nintendo. It's seemingly based on the Japanese version. I was trying to get this 
confirmed with Square Enix, and all they did was freaking copy paste the thing from the press release saying this is based on the 1991 original for super nintendo i'm like thank you okay thank you i'm trying to get clarity here but i'm just going to assume that this is the base version there are certain things that are in this version that are not in the u.s version like talking to the nerd here who knows the differences Uh, for example in the U.S. version of Final Fantasy IV, you can see hidden tunnels. They kind of put it there as a gimme for uh, Westerners, but in this version, those tunnels are hidden. So I would think you are looking at least very something very close to the original Japanese release of the game. But it doesn't have any of the after years or anything, right? No. I don't no. think so. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a pixel remaster. Yeah. I really like the music for the most part. I mean, hearing the, the remastered version of the Red Wings theme, uh, I was talking about this on the Discord. I could play that opening in Final Fantasy IV over and over and over again. It's just perfect. It beautifully establishes the stakes and the characters and what is going on in the world. Within 10 minutes of playing this game, you know what the game is all about, what's happening in the world, who your character is, and what you need to be doing. And... I just need more games to be that succinct. Yes, because, I mean, there's never any doubt what you're doing or where you're going. Here's Cecil, the Red Wings. Oh, no, they're bad. And Cecil's like, I don't like this. And then he gets kicked out. And okay, you're on your way. Yeah. And when that Red Wings theme kicks off right at the beginning and you see all of the the formation of airships flying over the... That's just one of the iconic sites in RPG history, in my opinion. So Yeah, very nice early example of uh, visual storytelling in RPGs. I think the music is great, except for the battle theme. I hate the battle theme. <laughs> battle theme is fine for me. It's the boss theme that I feel like they botched. They made it too complicated. It's overdone. Yeah, you're right. It's not my favorite either. But the overworld theme is just fantastic. I love how they oh, added great. that drop. That was a great idea. Yeah, it bumps me out because actually the Final Fantasy IV boss theme is one of my favorites. Yeah, in the entire, I understand. It's just, yeah. it it takes, it kicks it up a notch, right? It's like Emerald Lagasse, bam! Yeah, no. <laughs> so it's just like, it's it really, like, it makes your heart kind of race as it's going. And it's relatively simple, right? I mean, it's yeah. fairly repetitive, but it's exciting. You feel like you're fighting a boss. And so they're clearly going, well, this song's too simple. Let's just keep adding elements to it. And there's a certain point. It's like, okay, stop, stop. You're, <laughs> you're overdoing it. You're, you're rooting the stew. You're rooting the stew. Too many cooks. Yeah. So I want to keep playing Final Fantasy IV. I've got a lot of other games to be playing, if I'm being honest. But then again, while I was on vacation, I did play 25 hours of Football Manager 21 Mobile somehow. I don't Holy crap. Somehow. Don't somehow. know how that came about. <laughs> Aliens forced you to do it. It was one of those, I was up at two in the morning on my iPad, like staring at the transfer window going, but who do I bring in? I need to improve my backup striker oh, position. Yeah. And then when I after I won the euros and also the league i was like okay i'm done i need to stop playing this game i'm home now i'm playing tales of vesperia stay away but like i could feel my ipad it was like the one ring i was just Mm -hmm. like looking at it It it's just like take me take me and i was like i'm gonna cast this game into the fires of mount doom i was gonna say throw that ipad into the fires of mount doom or failing that just make a bonfire and and toss Mm -hmm. it on there Mm -hmm. i was like Frodo was like, no, it's here in my pocket. Sorry, it was Bilbo. That's what I meant. Why shouldn't I keep it? Why? Why not? (laughs) 
we've been talking about a lot about Lord of the Rings on this podcast lately, Eric. So that's why I maybe y'all are like psychically transferring thoughts to my mind then, because I recently just on a whim decided to start a rewatch of the extended cuts because I was like, you know, Evangelion had ended and I was going through that whole process of like emotionally coping with all of that and i was like you know what else i should do just watch really long movies that also stir emotions in me so yeah no i'm on two towers right now i think but i've been watching it in pieces uh and hey look they hold up they're good movies they're quality film especially two towers which held up a lot better than i than i realized yeah i think fellowship is still my favorite uh, but I'm always surprised at, especially with the extended cuts, I think it makes two towers better than it was originally. Cause I think 100%, when I, yeah. when I watched the original two towers again, uh, I was like, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's good, but it's not great. But with the extended stuff, it feels like a very different movie and definitely feels like the movie that gets you from fellowship to return of the King and gets you there with enough context and with enough like character depth and stuff like that to feel like it's been a journey and not just like, Oh yeah, we had some stuff happen at Helm's deep, but now we're going back (laughs) to the real story. Don't worry about it. It's better now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Go listen to our Lord of the Rings podcast, which is available to our patrons. Eric, you said that you were finished with Evangelion. Was this the rebirth or the series? The rebuilds. So Amazon just put out, uh, they brought the last rebuild movie over I here. I haven't seen from the last Japan. one, so please don't spoil it for me. It's a lot. It's okay. It's a lot. Like, just be ready. I will. The one thing I will tell you, because you've seen all the other Ava stuff I've out there. I've seen the first three, and we didn't. I actually rewatched the series and End of Evangelion earlier. Uh-huh. Uh, earlier this year, we did a podcast about it. So it's a lot easier to watch than end of Evangelion was because end of Evangelion is like one of the toughest watches. Well, end of Evangelion world. is watch all of your favorite characters die horribly. Yeah. And then the director is just going to vent all of his anger and frustration with the entire fan base in an extended montage and like get right, rightfully furious, but furious. I know saying on film. you're losers. All of you. I'm turning the camera on you. Look at you losers watching this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I think the amazing part about the rebuilds is that it feels like catharsis. Like that mm-hmm. is the word I would use to describe the rebuilds. Like by the time it comes to the end is it feels like catharsis for people, not just for Anno who's been dealing with this stuff for years and finally gets to put out an end to Evangelion. Like that's why it's called thrice upon a time. This is the thrice time he's tried to end this series, mm-hmm. but uh, he gets to do it in a way that I feel like for people like me who have been watching Evangelion for at least half their adult life. Um, that's yeah. I started when I was like 12. That's not the age anyone should start watching Evangelion. At. No, no, <laughs> I agree. It's way too young. Um, but yeah, it, it felt like just pure catharsis and it, it has some breathtaking stuff in it. Like it is very much worth the watch. If you've ever seen his cat, uh, his cat looks like it's just, like always pondering its existence. It's, mm-hmm. He has the greatest pictures of his cat. And when I'm at, when I'm in a really <laughs> depressed, weird mood, I just put a picture of his cat because it reflects my feelings. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. While I was on vacation, I watched the first two rebuild films. And my main takeaway was 
I was annoyed by the first movie because mm-hmm. I think that the first like four or five episodes of the original series are basically perfect. And I really love their pacing, their overall look, their soundtrack, and the movie adapts them in a way that's really overdone and I find mm. quite annoying without actually adding much to the to the material. The second movie, on the other hand, does such a good job of incorporating the slice of life elements that I really enjoy. It really, it changes the source material in a lot of meaningful ways. What they do with Asuka is pretty interesting. I think they do a great job of of really streamlining her arc and making her, frank, both her and Kaji, frankly, much more likable characters. My only qualm with the second movie is... A, they again, I don't think they do one of the the iconic scenes right, which is the the final battle. Like there's so much about the final battle in the series, which is, in my opinion, it's the high point of the show that in the movie, it's it's okay, It's fine. And I just don't like that new character that they brought in. Like, I just don't like her. I, I hope that I'm interested to see what comes of her in the rest of the rebuild. But they just have her come out of nowhere in the second movie. Oh, yeah. No setup. I'm like, why do I care about this character? This is really annoying. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see. But yeah, I'm going to warn you now, like the rebuilds are are the final fantasy seven remake of Evangelion. This is not a retelling <sighs> oh, of yes. Evangelion. This is. I know. I know. Starting out <laughs> and then the Dementor show oh, up. You I know. know. <laughs> I know. I've seen um, the third movie. I know okay, that it goes okay, okay, crazy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah okay. And what's weird is I watch you watch the uh, the trailer at the end of movie two about mm. what's hinting for movie three. It's nothing like the dang trailer. It's just <laughs> like like it was I, when I watched movie three, it was so out of left field that I was like, what am I watching? What is happening? I, like, I was so confused. So you I don't love extended segments of Shin- Shinji and Kaoru, like just bonding over piano together. Like, no, I, I love <laughs> Does he it. Play chopsticks. When movie three came out, I convinced my partner. I was like, look, okay, give it a shot. Watch the rebuild of Evangelion movie with me. Like the first two were pretty good. I bet the third one's going to be great. It's meant to be more accessible to newcomers. And then like halfway through, she was asleep on the couch. And I was just like, I botched it again. Yeah. Botched it again. Damn. I know that feeling. No more anime for six months. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Alas. Eric, what are you playing? Uh, So like Tales Arise was my life for about a week and a half. So there was that. I've been bouncing around some other stuff, though. Um, I got weirdly back into a Slay the Spire hole. And that was a a hard hole to climb out of. It's a good hole. Yeah. If like football manager is your weakness, like Slay the Spire is my deep, dark weakness that I've played so many other deck builders and roguelikes that try to do what Slay the Spire does. And none of them hit quite the same. Like it's no, it's still just Monster so Train? much fun. I do. Monster Train is the closest thing that has come to it. Um, and I've heard good things about the new. Um, it's like Rogue Book or something or Mystical Book. I don't something book, but um, I've I've heard good ones about that. But yeah, Slay the Spire. It just feels good to play that game, even if I'm not like if I don't have a goal in mind, I just want to like do something. I want to be like, I'm going to beat 
I'm going to take the route that puts me against the most bosses on floor one and see if I can beat it. And it's it's just a fun game to do that in. I was going to say that uh, SteamWorld Quest for anyone who is really kind of getting into the Slay mm, the Spire yes, and that, yeah. that kind of uh, deck building game. It's a great place to start. It's also a really cute, fun game. All, all the SteamWorld all the mm-hmm. Steam World games are great. But yeah, Slay the Spire, if you want punishment, you go to the original. I think Slay of the Spire is one of the best games ever made. It, it's, it's, I don't even, yeah. You know a game is special when s- people who don't even like the genre, like I don't really care for deck building games. I no, played a lot either. of Hearthstone back in the day, but I find building a deck to be somewhat overwhelming. Um, I, like I have a hard time grokking the actual strategy, so I find myself reading tips and everything constantly. Mm-hmm. Slay the Spire made it, 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 it is just so accessible in a way that's really satisfying. Going on a great run feels tremendous. Mm-hmm. It hits that cross-section of card players and RPG players just perfectly. It is so tremendously satisfying a game. And I, I'm i with you, Eric. I've tried to play other deck-building games, and they just don't hit the same because they're overdone or they're too complicated. They're not as accessible. And it just makes me respect Slay the Spire all the more. Yeah, it's like it's both extremely simple, like extremely easy to understand and yet just malleable enough that runs never feel samey. I've tried messing around with mods and stuff in it that add in new classes and stuff like that. And I love y'all out there that are making the mods. Uh, and some of them are very, very good. Like some of the alternative classes that clearly try to like fit within the design paradigms of this game. And then some of the ones they're just like, I put my favorite anime character in this game. I'm like, this there's <laughs> like Rudo power. There was one I was playing that just had so many overlapping systems that were way too much. And I was just like the like the elegance of Slay the Spire. I love that when I play that game, I can look at my like health bar and just understand immediately like what's going on in this. Like like the UI is surprisingly elegant in a way that when I play other roguelikes now, I notice when the UI is too busy or too cluttered. There was like a one of the mini indie showcases we've had this summer where they showed kind of a similar looking game. And I just was not interested because I was like, I, this is too filled. This is there's too much going on. I need to be able to like rock this at a glance. And yeah, that was Slay me the Spire and so It yeah, especially on Switch. Grifflands just compared to Slay the Spire, it's so clean. And mm-hmm. Grifflands is really busy. I've Normally, I, I think that Clay Entertainment's great, and I know that Grifflands has its supporters, but it just was, I just found it to be way too much. Strikes me as a PC game, not a yeah, Switch game. For sure. But Slay the Spire started as a PC game, too, and it came to Switch, and it looked terrific. It was easy and very accessible. Well, Slay the Spire's perfect. That's why. It is. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, but other than that, I've been bouncing around stuff. Uh, I wrote a short thing. I've played like a couple hours of of Fuga, Melodies of Steel, and I've been yes. wanting to get back to that. Tell me about it. It's like, so I wrote about this on destructoid.com. You can read it there. But basically my whole like essay was about, I saw this game and was interested by the concept of turn-based tank battle with these big you know, metal slug looking tanks that just oh the design is just mm, chef kiss oh <laughs> but uh i like i can't lie like when i see anthropomorphized animal characters my mind immediately just goes like okay circus noise like that's like it just tunes it out like and and this was the game where i played this and i was playing this and i was like 
I need to really like consider the conceptions that I have about this kind of art and this kind of stuff, because this game rules like it's kind of awesome. And uh, the setup of it, I mean, I think you've played it. Have you talked about it on here already, Kat? Yeah, I talked about it some on this Excellent. podcast. I, yeah. I knew you had played it. Um, but like the just the way that it turns, you know, it, it has kind of a slay the spire idea of going down different routes and picking different difficulties, and you start picking up different, you know, versions of cannons that might have different bends. So maybe you have a grenade launcher cannon, but the character themselves is more of a healer or support. So you can fill that damage role while still providing different benefits to other characters. I think it starts to really smartly like wrap that stuff in. And then you have a soul cannon. And honestly i don't know if i like the soul cannon as a mechanic because i think it exists just to be like well if you don't play well you're gonna have to use this but it's sort of like how fire emblem recognized that some people like to play with permadeath and having people die but most people will just have someone die and roll back so they were like let's just put in ways for you to roll back or avoid permadeath because it's just silly for us to pretend like people don't play that way (laughs) in the modern age the soul cannon feels like it's there to be that thematic idea and not necessarily that usable mechanic but i like that it's there too because it's just like when it's sitting there on the menu and i'm really low on tank health and i'm like i could put a kid's soul in that cannon (laughs) (laughs) you know i could roll this back you're going in that cannon Oh, the first time when the story makes you do it in that first run, I chose the littlest kid. Uh, purely you monster. I hate that trope of like, oh, here's the, the little, little sister kid that just yeah. gets into problems and is like a botherance to everybody. It's like when they introduce like a scrappy dude type character to a cartoon series. Yeah, scrappy dude's going in the soul yeah, cannon. I, I understand uh, your cannon. You're literally cannon fodder kid. Yes. Yeah. So, but that's a game that I think I got like a couple hours in enough to do like some impressions and then had to like bounce off to other stuff, but it's high on my list. It sounds like something I might like. Something I'd like to give a try. Yeah. Nadia, it's your jam. You gotta play it. You would love this game. You would be really into it. What's it it called again? I forget. Uga Melodies of Steel. It's the worst freaking name. That's Like you cannot remember the name. It's hard to actually be able to recommend it, but it's called Fuga melodies of steel like and Nadia, you would like it it sounds like i would uh yeah i need to finish neo the world ends with you i feel like a really bad world ends with you fan having not finished that game yet but that's another victim of the backlog this year and the old backlog the old backlog yeah. I have a huge people are like myself. there are not enough games coming out and i'm just like uh, i'm what doing games? fine okay I'm good. yeah what I'm games good, are you, you playing like let me live this blessed life where there aren't there are legitimately like probably three or four games within the last like within this like month window that we're in that will be in like game of the year talks at the end of the year yeah i'm not gonna have a problem drawing up a list death loop looking forward to death loop i i have previewed death loop and uh that game is is something that game's something all right let's talk about the news as of today of the recording, we are recording on September 9th. The Sony PlayStation Showcase just happened. It was, it was a lot of games. Not a lot of games that would necessarily appeal to our audience. Lots of superheroes and open world action adventure games. 
There was that game for Spoken, which I'm still not entirely sure is an RPG. It was by Luminous Studios, which whatever. But maybe the big news for RPG fans is that Knights of the Old Republic is being remade by Aspire, the company that worked on Republic Commando and Jedi Outcast. And I am curious for your thoughts in particular, Eric. First of all, am I to remember whether or not you played KOTOR? And are you a big Star Wars fan? I have I have played some KOTOR. Okay, I have not okay. finished a KOTOR. Uh, and I'm this might be the push that gets me to finish a KOTOR just so I can know what this game is like before a remake comes out, acting like the remake's going to come out anytime soon. But <laughs> it's yeah, that, next year. They didn't, sometime. they didn't even put a date on they that. They said it thing. was early, quite early, right? Yeah. Um, I, I, I have a gut feeling that, that that's they didn't put a date on that for a reason. No, there's, I mean, I think most of the games there were like 15 second trailers, which means you're looking at 2023. Yeah, um, but at the, the earliest yeah. at the earliest. Uh, but KOTOR, I mean, I like I like Star Wars. I have an up and down relationship with Star Wars. Like if I was a kid, I'd be telling you right now, oh, I love Star Wars. It's great. Pod racing. Are you kidding me? Love <laughs> pod racing. I love uh, pod racing. But I've I've had difficulty enjoying it publicly, let's say, because mm. Hi, I'm the person who likes The Last Jedi the most out of any of the new movies they've made. And you say that online and your Twitter Last is just Jedi unusable. Is, for, is a Star Wars movie for people who hate Star Wars. I It's a Star Wars movie for people who want different from Star Wars. Yeah, like a, that's like what a I was Star Wars for. movie that isn't purely about Skywalkers and Palpatines and stuff. And then with it dares the, to question the premise of Star Wars. Yeah, it's it's great, and I love that. Look, I, for 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 reference, Eric, I love Last Jedi, but oh, it's so also you're you're playing the reply guy. I it know. produced <laughs> well, it produced a reaction mm-hmm. among Which, the fan good. base and by extension Disney, where they're going, we can never have another Last Jedi. We need to play it safe from now on, and that makes me honestly really sad. Yeah, but, yeah, no. But when I say that Last Jedi is the Star Wars movie for people who hate Star Wars, I mean that like. It's more for the people who are kind of sick of it doing the same old thing. You know, mm-hmm. it, it dares to do something interesting with the series. All the stuff I've really liked of Star Wars has been when they just finally stop caring about, you know, the trilogies and stuff and start moving into other things. And I mean, Rogue One was good. I think I've probably cooled on it since I saw it, but it's still a cool idea. And all the when you get into the Clone Wars stuff, that's that stuff is neat. And I like the idea of doing anthology work in that. But uh, that's why I like the idea of a KOTOR remake is here's a story that gets to be wholly separate from all the the Disney stuff and all the, you know, I don't want to call it like the MCU, but like Star Wars is kind of, you know, side by side with the MCU of being like a franchise. Now it is something that is very heavily turned into a thing that is meant to be homogenous and sold and stuff. So um, I like the idea of KOTOR coming back. Uh, that story is really cool. It That setting is really cool. Those characters are really cool. Um, hopefully this drums up enough support to get a KOTOR 2 in the works as well, or even just a new KOTOR, because once they got into KOTOR 2 with Obsidian, right? 
that was obsidian yes. yeah um when they started doing stuff with like the the gray jedi that was in that and they started being like what is the force why is light side good and dark side bad and stuff like that that's that's what i'm talking about <laughs> that's so, good shit um yeah no i'm i'm definitely interested in, and aspire like they've been doing so many star wars games that they deserve a, a shot at this and i do think it's really interesting that hey this is i think they were out there saying sony sie is publishing the ps5 version and aspire is publishing the pc version so there's there's no ea involved in this whatsoever <laughs> uh kind of the mark of non-ea star wars games starting to become a reality so it's i think, I think it's interesting EA for that is too. pretty much done with the license after fallen order 2 that's what it's increasingly sounding like, but we shall see. I will say that I'm very excited about Knights of the Old Republic, the remake. It's been a long time coming. It is a game that, while a classic, I don't know if it holds up entirely well on modern platforms. It's a little bit rough to go back to, I would say. That said, um, Aspire itself, I think that the its, its remasters, quote-unquote, of... Republic Commando and Jedi um, Jedi Outcast for the Switch in particular were quite rough. And so I have some hesitance. And they're billing this as a full-blown remake, but I had been hearing that it was going to be more of a remaster. So I think that people should temper their expectations a little bit. I don't think it's going to be anything on the level of like a Blue Point game, certainly. Mm. Uh, we shall see. They're billing themselves as saying that we've expanded, we're being really ambitious, we've brought on a lot of the people who worked on the original game, we're going to be faithful to it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We shall see someday <laughs> down someday. the line. <laughs> I, I do think it's funny. Uh, the original KOTOR was kind of a crown jewel exclusive for the Xbox back mm -hmm. in the day. Yeah. So if you want to go all console warrior here, this is a kind of a tremendous FU. Uh, <laughs> it's a of, it is a bit of a coup. <laughs> yes. To lead your PlayStation showcase with what was once one of the all-time great Xbox exclusives, the game mm -hmm. that inaugurated the shift of PC RPGs to console and was and was basically one of the like two flagship games of Xbox alongside Halo for PlayStation to get it. If you're into that console warrior nonsense, it's, it's kind of delicious. Not going to lie. So, <laughs> Nadia, will this get you to play Knights of the Old Republic? I think so. I'm very much on you on your level and Eric's level about how much I like Star Wars. I like it. I think it's fine. I love The Last Jedi just because it was... Like you said, it, it does something so different and so interesting. And we all know that got walked back. But that doesn't really diminish my love for the the series in general, which is, I guess maybe love is a strong word. I, I like it very much. And even though I'm not big into space stuff, I think Star Wars is enough fantasy that I just like, hey, I am a knight in a cloak. I'm going to do this. Ah, Nadia's the yin to my yang with her hatred of space stuff. <laughs> I mean, space is scary. Space is cool. Oh, it's cool, guns. but scary. Spaceships flying around. Sheer Vacuums scale. Get sucked you out of the vacuum. You can have space dragons. And die. Space swords. You know what? There was actually a game I used to play, Master of Ryan 2. You could get a space dragon invading your colony, and, and he'd say, hey, if you pay me off, I'll go attack your neighbors. So I'd be like, oh, cool. Go, <laughs> go attack them. I hate them. So he was pretty cool. On that note, 
This is the Dragon episode. It's one of our best received episodes of this year. Of course it was. Star Wars is space fantasy. How come there are no space dragons in Star Wars? Why have not we not had a moment where Luke Skywalker, whomever with a lightsaber, is facing off against a freaking space dragon? Mm-hmm. They have dragons on Tatooine, don't they? They have, uh, I think, the crate dragons. A little different. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, it's not enough of a dragon. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. I'm talking. I'm talking like Ridley from Metroid here. You know. Wait, wait. You consider Ridley a dragon? Huh? Ridley a dragon? Close enough. Yeah. He's yeah, space he's totally dragon. dragon. I, I dragon. pterodactyl for me. That's... <laughs> space pterodactyl. Yeah, space, space pterodactyl. Four arms. Space wyvern. Yeah, or like maybe a space gargoyle. Like that's yeah, that's sort yeah, of where I'm looking. Fits. Yeah, but not the buff ones from that animated show. Like the, one of the, the, one of the, the sexy ones. ones. Yeah. Sexy gargoyles. <laughs> <laughs> also being teased this week. This is we were talking about cards earlier this week. Everybody has to have their card game now. And apparently there's going to be a card game called Voice of Cards, The Isle Dragon Roars. It's a card-based RPG by the people behind Nier and Drakengard. Taro, Yoko Taro is involved as the creative director. We don't know much about it, but it has been spotted on Asian PS4 stores. We literally only got a very, very brief teaser, but if Yoko Taro is making it, then it's going to subvert the very notion of cards and probably make you sad somehow. <laughs> this is going to be madness. It's going to be the equivalent of taking a pack of cards and throwing it to a ceiling fan. That's what it's going to be. <laughs> <laughs> You'll build your deck and it'll be like, you built your deck, but now somebody has to die. But now somebody and it's has gonna to die. be your favorite character. And the singing will stop. There will be no more singing in the village. Yeah, the cards are people, actually, and you've been <laughs> discarding people. How do you feel about that? <laughs> that, that, would be, that would be a little disappointing for Yoko Taro. I'd be like, Yoko Taro, man, you can do a little better than that. That's very, that's very great seven writing project stuff. You'll draw a card. It's like, what is the nature of card? What makes card different? <laughs> that's more like man? it. <laughs> and somehow you're just going to end up in a shoot 'em up or it's yeah, going to start yeah. mashing up genres at random. And somehow the cards will be sexy. Oh, of course. Of course. Anyway, I look forward to this game. I don't have anything else to say about it because (laughs) I haven't shown anything. But whatever this game comes out, I'm sure it'll be mechanically kind of rough, but emotionally or intellectually fascinating. Continuing on with the news, Stardew Valley may be done with updates. Uh, Concerned Ape is apparently very focused on the next thing, which, you know what? We got an incredible freaking upgrade to Stardew Valley just this year. Mm -hmm. It's practically a whole new game. Go ahead and enjoy it. And I'm looking forward to whatever Eric Barone comes up with next. Yeah, I have not even finished like all the expansion stuff for Stardew Valley. And every time I go back to that game, I am sucked in. So I, I kind of mm-hmm. try to stay on the edges away from the event horizon where I've got stuff to do. Uh, if if this is the end, though, of Stardew Valley's stuff, I mean, gosh, great, good for Eric because it's just, um, it's crazy how much we got. And I am, I, I can understand why he'd want to maybe kind of move away from Stardew Valley because it's probably been half his life by now. Yeah, no doubt. And frankly, it's an enormous game. There's so much to do with it. Like, you can put a pin in, you can put a cap around and say, that 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 the final expansion was like my final statement mic drop and that was a heck of a mic drop 
yeah, it was a great, great, great game. Really brought life back into the farming sims uh, uh, subgenre, which is a genre I've always liked. So I'm glad to see that it really got the revitalization it deserves. Yeah, like how many indie developers can say they've done what Eric Barone did where exactly just came out with a game that completely upended every one of its successors and like honestly like gave harvest moon and harvest moon and story of seasons because they're separate now but yeah. um gave them both a run for their money and now they're run having for their to money think, it ate their lunch them. yeah i'm sorry like now they're having to think about how do we keep up with stardew how do we provide something like that and it's 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 fascinating it's really and i feel like it revitalized a lot of just different aspects of what those games do well because i mean we're going to talk about tales of arise that has farming elements in it now for some reason because oh i'm right. not gonna say Farming's it's fun. Stardew, so does Fuga but... melodies of steel it yeah farming element to it too you gotta have farming people always talk about how breath of the wild has inspired games and stuff but we don't talk about how stardew valley changed the game <laughs> absolutely Oh, I mean, I wanted to do a Pantheon episode about it because it is close enough to being an oh, RPG. I'd love to do that. Everyone pick Stardew Valley. There. There's mm-hmm. your vote. I've done it for one you. One of the most significant indie games and one of the most significant games, period, of the past several years. I don't think its influence can be discounted. I think, actually, the Switch's popularity is in no small part to the fact that the Switch port for that game freaking ruled, and mm-hmm. it was the perfect Switch game. It was. It was a really perfect release for its time. And as you say, a, a perfect Switch game to begin with. They just really, really helped right each out other of the gate, out. You got Stardew Valley on the Switch. And it's like, well, it's great. I I have everything settled for my in terms of games for the next six months. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Pokemon Evolutions is a new 25th anniversary series that is coming out soon. It's eight episodes and it'll explore all of the regions. Nadia, what's your favorite region in Pokemon? I think I like Johto best. Ah, good choice. Yeah, Eric. it's just something about it. It's such a, it was such a step up for Pokemon and how the world is presented and how the Pokemon are presented and how they evolve. And it just felt like the first time Pokemon felt like a living place, like the night and day cycle. That was incredible for its time. How about you, Eric? Do you have an opinion on this? I'm going to say it the Southern way, Kanto. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I like the Kanto region a lot. I mean, I my Pokemon experience is up and down, hit or miss. I, you know, I've I've kind of been in and out, and I've tried a few different ones and been up and down. I like Sword and Shield just fine, you know. And Galar, Galar was pretty interesting. I I love that the Galar region is so UK that they have like soccer state football stadiums for Pokemon battles, and they just leaned really heavily into that. Uh, it was a great idea for an aesthetic and a, and a good choice, but it's hard to beat the original and the, the original is just so good. It's just so memorable. Uh, I'm, I'm basic like that. Can't disagree. I think Johto region is actually probably my favorite as well. Nadia, just because I mean, it's so Japanese and it is. So I love the so way Japanese. that it connects to the Kanto region, mm. uh, has one of the, has a really good set of gyms. Uh, capping off with Claire, who's my favorite gym leader. And I really like the Pokemon that actually inhabit it. And I would love to go back to the Johto region. I think the Unova region is fairly underrated because one of the things I really like about that is that when you finish the game, the other half of the map opens up and there's a whole lot more to explore. It's great. Pokemon Black 2, White 2, 
one of the best games in the series. My second favorite is Alola. I loved Alola so much. And finally, multiple outlets confirming that Game Boy and Game Boy Color games are headed to the Nintendo Switch. Very exciting. We can play Final Fantasy Legend on our Switch now. Can't we do that already? Isn't there a collection? Probably, yeah. <laughs> There's yeah. almost certainly a collection for that. There's a collection for that, you know. There, there are there plenty is. of great uh, RPGs on the Game Boy. Go back and listen to our console RPG quest for the Game Boy. Mostly it brings me hope that we will be getting Pokemon Red and Yellow and Gold and Silver and all of those games on the Switch sooner rather than later. I really, if we are getting Game Boy Color games, and I refuse to get into this because my heart is broken every time I hear that we're getting more to the Switch Online and it never happens. But anyway, let's say it does. I want to see the Game Boy Color remake of Dragon Quest Three on the on the Switch. Like that was a, a really really great remake. I thought you were going to steal the game I was going to talk about. I was trying to remember there was a Dragon Warrior Monsters for Game Boy oh, Color that I would yeah. like to see because that game has Jokers, Joker um, Monsters. Oh, Jokers monsters on Joker? the DS. Monsters oh, okay. was like. It was just called Dragon Quest Monsters, maybe? It was like Dragon Warrior Monsters, I think. I, I remember because my friend had the Game Boy cart and we would like always just fawn over it because it was like the alternative to Pokemon and it was it was different and it was weird. It was, we don't know what this is, like, you know, for, for kids. But I do <laughs> have to credit Monsters, though, because I think that was the reason why they decided to localize games again for the West and bring them over because Pokemon had made... Uh, Dragon Quest Monster is pretty popular by association, so that just monsters pulled everyone into the West as far as Dragon Quest is concerned. So I'm grateful for it. Wonder if we'll get Monster Rancher Battle Card. That would be a deep cut that I would deeply appreciate. And Monster <laughs> Rancher is on the rise again. It's it's back in 2021, baby. Monster Rancher. Monsters rule. <laughs> all right, that's all of the news. It's time to move on to our main topic: the Tales of Arise review. There won't be any spoilers for this one. Don't go away. Alright, it's time for our review of Tales of Arise, which is now available on the Xbox Series X, the PC, PS5, PS4, Xbox One, not on Game Pass, sadly. I'm looking forward to it being on Game Pass. It's better, I would say, on Xbox Series S, the PS5 version actually drops a few frames by comparison, but still looks really good on both. This is Ben five years since the last Tales game, which was Tales of Berseria, which is sitting on my shelf and I only got a little bit of the way into that. The series was getting fairly stale by Tales of Berseria. So this is kind of the, I shall say, you know, kind of the revival that the series needed. It's still very much in tune with how Tales has traditionally been, but it does switch things up a little bit. Most of all, it looks a lot like a certain other very popular free-to-play RPG that has been around of late. So Eric, Nadia, you both reviewed it. I believe you both really enjoyed it. 
we'll hear your thoughts right now. Start with Eric, who is the, the Tails guy. And I suppose, Eric, I should start with, what is your background with Tails? Oh, so Tails was weird. I don't remember how exactly I got hooked on it. I think it was through like game facts people recommending rpgs and stuff like that but i remember getting the gamecube version and renting it a few times and thinking oh that was pretty neat and then it was around college because i had gone to college and i brought my xbox with me but i think around second semester freshman year i brought my gamecube up too because you know gamecube is a fun thing to have in a college dorm right you know you play your smash and your double dash and stuff uh and i ended up getting a used copy of tales of symphonia for like 20 bucks which is I'm sure there are GameCube collectors out there who are uh, taken aback by that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that game was the perfect college game for me because it was something that I could just dump hours into and just lose myself in. And it was just it wasn't I hesitate to say it wasn't deep. It wasn't like super story driven in the way that like other super story driven games were at the time for me. Uh, this was something that I could just pop on, play some stuff and pop back off. And then it would kind of pull me in and pull me in with all these characters and the stuff. And that hmm. tricked me into learning how to play fighting games well too, because it was also <laughs> was secretly bastards. a fighting game RPG. <laughs> and, uh, I, I loved it. I love Symphonia. And then I picked up Vesperia when it was on like a summer of arcade sale or something on the 360, And, I kind of bounced off at that point because I never owned a PS3 and a lot of the Tales games at that point were starting to come out on PS3. And then it was when Zestiria came around, I played some of it, just did not like it. Just It was nothing like the other Tales games to me. And then Berseria came back and really reignited my love for the series and reminded me what I like so much about the series. And after Berseria, I started just going back and trying to learn as much as I could and get into the series as much as I could. And Arise just it, it's it's the right thing. It's the right thing. We can we can talk more about that later, but it's just like it hits what it needed to hit while still moving this thing forward in a way that I'm really surprised they managed to pull off. Did do you have any idea why the names of these games are so familiar, like so similar? Is there a story reason for that? Is yeah. It just not a story reason. There's there's a silly reason. <laughs> and okay. it's because the Tales team loves to do that thing where they have uh this is our vision for this game. And so every Tales game has a vision for what it is. So like Berseria was supposed to like be the onomatopoetic like idea of what this game is. It's Berseria. There's you're you're a wolf woman who wants revenge. You're an anti-hero and stuff like that. And they come up with incredible names for some for some of their battle systems and stuff because the original version, the first time they labeled this battle system was the linear motion battle system or limbs. And then they started adding all these weird names on top of it like the cross fusion multi-purpose ultra ultimatic like multi-use limb system and stuff it's great i honestly love it and so i've seen some people do that where they're like why is it called tales of rise it's a dumb name and i'm like you it's it's supposed to just evoke a feeling in you when you play it you know it's like yeah. what is this game about it's about a rise it's about it's a rise about rising. rising up yeah i made a parachute club joke in my in my review 
about rising up and and killing shitty lords and honestly like i'm all about that these days yeah it's a pretty good theme it's a pretty good theme for the times it's good uh so yeah that's it's it's supposed to evoke an emotion so more than workers of the sp- world arise mm-hmm. yeah take your you fire nothing swords. to lose except your anime organize and and find your local blazing sword uh- <laughs> <laughs> workers please own the means of magic the means of astral production. I was going to say, yeah, exactly. astral it actually production. is a theme in this game. Oddly, <laughs> <It enough>. <laughs> seizing <laughs> the means of production. Yes. Oh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, it's, it's a very, very good game. And I feel like it, it does a good job of not losing what a tales game is in the process, which is kind of amazing to me because for a long time, tales games have felt very outdated and, and I don't think that's by virtue of the mechanics being outdated. I think it was, as this game has kind of proven, it was by virtue of the presentation and the thought process around that being very outdated and them thinking in, in very old. You have to keep in mind, Brazaria wasn't just five years ago. It was a PS3, PS4 game five years ago. <laughs> like that's right. th- this game, its On predecessor an, an was a cross-gen too. of the old gen. <laughs> and now it's a cross-gen of the new gen. Uh, yeah, and on an old engine. And I think it just shows. I mean, I was around the time that Final Fantasy VII Remake was coming out and, and people were playing it. And I was sitting there playing Tifa in Final Fantasy VII Remake. And I was like, this is a Tales game. I'm just playing a Tales game right now. And now that Arise is out, I can finally make people play Arise and be like, see, I told you. It's just, like Tifa is law. Law is Tifa. It's the oh, same it thing. Bad. Yeah, I, I was right all along. I, I'm coming from things from a different perspective because I haven't played nearly as much Tales as you have. I played the first translation, fan translation, way, way back in the day. And I've I've talked about that before because that's an infamous translation. <laughs> and then I just quite recently played Vesperia. And uh, the one thing I would say Vesperia has over Arise is that its characters and stories are just so much better. They're so much funnier. But uh, the story in Arise is fine. You just kind of got to get used to it. And the characters, they have the whole I don't care about you, Baka thing going on with the heroine, the heroine. And Mm -hmm. so you you get through that. But yeah, I just uh, it feels so good to play Arise. Like it's I've always liked Tales' battle systems, but something about Arise's battle system is just so smooth. And I it's like I hesitate to call it button mashing because it's not. And even if it was, you cannot button mash for the bosses or the lords because they will mm-hmm. make you eat dirt if you do mm-hmm. that. And the boost attacks are freaking insane. Like everything in that battle system is just noise and lights and numbers, numbers, mm-hmm. numbers. And that's fine because sometimes you just need that. It's Marvel, baby. They put Marvel in this game. They decided <laughs> to put totally in. totally Marvel. They put in assists and it rules. It's You're so right. good. Like You're, That's totally. Is, I'm thinking, what is this reminding me of? That's exactly what it was. Um, I actually, fun fact, I broke one of my DualSense triggers playing this game. Oh, <laughs> really? Nice. Yeah. Um, I, I looked this up online. Apparently, it's not too uncommon, but oh, one of the springs in... I, you know, this is great for an audio podcast, but basically like I have resistance on the left trigger and, and like no resistance on the right trigger. It's just, you can like hear that. that It's just flicking right back. The feedback, the mechanisms inside just aren't any good. So if you're playing this on PS5, maybe go into your system settings and and turn down that particular setting on the trigger resistance or when you're doing it off anyway, I hate that. 
feature on the dual sense. I never think it's good. It's cool in Astro's playroom. That's exactly. the one time you got to have that stuff turned all the way up because I think they also understand like dynamics with it there. Whereas with Arise, it was like having to pull the trigger back constantly and and because you're dodging all the time. I mean, yeah. this is that's maybe one of the subtler yet larger differences with this game is that there's, you know, you're playing Vesperia right now. So, you know, that there's a there's block in that game. Yeah. Guard. No guarding unless you're playing Kusara in, in this game. It's all like you got to dodge and then get your quick follow up attack and then dodge again and get your quick follow up attack and then stagger them to start your arts combo and all that. And it's it's a lot faster and I think it's more fluid and interesting and probably people who played stuff like Scarlet Nexus or Seven Remake are, are going to love that stuff. But at the same time, like turn the resistance off on your trigger button because you don't to break say, it you know what that's one complaint i had about this game thinking about it i was having trouble getting out of the way when i rolled and mm-hmm. i was like is this me or is this some the game or what's going on and i think the resistance is not doing me any favors when i try to roll away so i'm gonna i'm gonna turn that right off because yeah, i turn it off i turn it off as a matter of course like yeah when because when I am pushing the button, I don't want it to fight back against me because it makes it feel soupy, almost as mm. if the button is actually broken. It drives me freaking crazy when I'm playing FIFA. I just, I was like, this button feels like it's actually broken. So I turn it off. But yeah. Yeah. Tales of, I, as for the actual dodge mechanic in Tales of Arise, it makes me think that maybe Dark Souls kind of uh, popularized this, or maybe Bloodborne even. In the sense that at some point it became much more, uh, people realize it feels more dynamic to actually roll around in a game mm-hmm. like this as opposed to just kind of being inert and blocking. I know in Dark Souls you mostly block in that game, but mm-hmm. there is a large dodge roll component, as it were. And honestly, I like it because it makes it feels more active. It feels mm-hmm. like there's a degree of skill and it feels really good when you pull off a good dodge roll in a game like this. I don't want to mention Dark Souls because that's a good way to get shot in the head, but (laughs) there is a bit of a Dark Souls component to this when I think about it because uh, enemies give very clear tells and kind of do that that little pause that gives you the timing that you need to get away. Mm -hmm. So it does remind me of that uh, quite a bit. I think you're you're on to something, Kat. I think Bayonetta as well was the thing yes. I kept thinking about was like which time in Bayonetta getting like the the sick dodge because everything kind of slows down when you do the the dodge too and it really tries to incentivize you to do that too because a lot of Alphans upgrades I noticed were like your counter edge gets better when you when you upgrade this stuff and all that I was like okay clearly with Alphan they want you to be up in people's faces and doing dumb stuff because Alphans just dumb as a brick (laughs) (laughs) Uh, like i said in my my review just the fact that he his mask shatters which is a very very like kind of obvious spoiler but he keeps the other half on instead of being like oh i can take this off and use both my eyes now well you don't know how tight that mask is on there you know it's 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 you know that's true i mean i actually like the fact that if you leave him to idle he'll knock on the back of it and go goes like clunk clunk that's cute what do you think of the graphical improvements? Because when I look at Tales of Arise, I see one of the more beautiful games released this generation so far. Uh, I have to say, they've done an impressive job of giving this series a glow up. 
Absolutely. Like it's, it's so weird because I think you, again, going back to Berseria, which was cross gen for last generation, and it looks more like a PS3 game than a PS4 game. And this one honestly looks more like a PS5 game than a PS4 game. I, I've not played it on old consoles. I'd be really curious about how it runs on old consoles. Uh, but it's, there were times in this game where I would enter into a new area and they clearly wanted me to like, look at this beautiful Vista or, or just see this cool thing. And some of the bosses in this game, especially when you get to the late game, like optional bosses, there's one where I just had to, I was like, just so in awe. I had to pause and put the controller down and just be like, are you freaking kidding me? (laughs) It's the, the thing they managed to do with this engine that would be so undoable in this series prior is amazing. Uh, it's, they do some stuff in this game that's just, I mean, even in the first area, you've got the fight against the big fire elemental while you're while you're dealing with Balsef. And that was a pretty cool fight. It's it's amazing. Like that's something I mean, Tails has had large bosses before and stuff, but the scale that they're able to work with and also just the designs that they have for some of these enemies, these characters, these bosses that you fight against are just amazing. And then all the the setup of the game, which moves you between five different realms. I guess I should like in this game, you are often who has the blazing sword and you want to murder all the five lords of each of the five realms, uh, the Renan lords who are oppressing the Danon people uh, for the last 300 years. Uh, and each of the five realms has their own corresponding astral elements. And so each one looks very different and has a very distinct style, like the water realm is very different from the earth realm is very different from the fire realm. And they all have this very distinct look and feel to them. That is, they just get to have fun with like Cislodia, which is the second one you go to, uh, is like a snowy realm, but that's because there's no light. Like that's the light realm and that's where they're absorbing light. And, uh, so it just turned into this dark wintry wasteland and it's a really cool setting. It's gorgeous. Like the some of the environments in this game are very, very nice. I also like how, at least compared to Vesperia, how open a lot of the map mm-hmm. feels. Mm-hmm. Like each of the realms has at least one huge sprawling area that it encourages you to explore, which it does by not marking anything on the map until you find it. And that includes mm-hmm. like, I'm so used to RPGs being like, hey, here's a treasure chest. Here's like where you collect this. Yeah, uh, Arise won't do that until you uncover it on the map. So you're just kind of incentivized to explore the whole map and it's very big areas like i said and very little frame drops like cat you were saying how apparently there's more frame drops on the playstation i didn't notice any it's not frame drops it's just a lower frame rate oh oh, compared to the xbox series x so if i don't have eagle eyes it doesn't it doesn't really matter much honestly as a 60 fps guy i i never noticed an issue on the ps5 so yeah if if that's a concern i don't think it actually does 120 on the Xbox Series X, um, but maybe the PS5 is just just a little bit slow, lower. But maybe, as you were saying, Nadia, like a lot of people won't notice. Like, it's, I can't tell the difference between 60 FPS and 120 FPS, mm-hmm. honestly. And I have like the high refresh rate monitor and all of that stuff. But, uh, one area that maybe Tales of Arise seems to suffer somewhat is in the story, I want to say, which is patent tales uh bs i gotta say well like i said vesperia had me laughing especially the dynamic between rita and i can't remember the name of that obnoxious little kid but she tortured him which made it funny because he deserved to be tortured 
And Rita, my favorite thing about Rita is you level up and she just kind of turn her back on you and wave or wave you away because she was reading a book and I can relate to that. But yeah, I would say if one thing disappoints me about um, Arise is that I was introduced to Alfin and Shion and it was just like, okay, I, I do not care about you two at all. And that changes, I have to be honest, but it it is the, the typical, well, will they or won't they? And like I said, I hate you, Baka. I'm so Sanzere. And they get over that. And you know they're going to get over that. So they're just wasting your time. And it's really, it's just a little frustrating. But Kisara is there and that just kind of makes up for everything. Yeah. Um, I, I will say that like the story goes through like a very big arc, you know, like like a rocket taking off, you know, it takes <laughs> off and it's heading into the glorious sky with so much power. And then in the third act, it just kind of drops. But uh, it's, I will say that initial ride is honestly really, really good. Um, I, I mean, tales games for me have always been more about the cast than the actual story. And for the story to even hold up well enough that they just kind of stick to this idea in, in the first kind of two thirds of the game, I'd say of murdering the Lords and like, you know, they delve into a lot of stuff of why do Renans oppress Danans and what does oppression look like? Because it looks different in every mm-hmm. realm, you know, in Calaglia, yeah. you, get, you get a very like stereotypical version of it in Calaglia where it's just like people being put to work, mining rocks and stuff. Uh, but then you get to Menencia, which is the third area, and everybody's living in harmony and they're all cool with each other. And you're like, what's going on? But then you learn that, like, there are still ways that the Renans control the Danans, even when they're working in seeming harmony and stuff. And and I think that stuff gets really interesting. Um, yeah. And so it's kind of a bummer when it kind of eventually does get dropped for the RPG story of this all. Um, because I think they were doing some cool stuff, but it really is all about the cast at the end of the day. And this cast is so good. It's maybe my favorite tales cast question mark. Um, I don't see a dog that smokes a pipe in this one. There's no dog that smokes a pipe, but I think they do. I have to say Hoodle is really, 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 really cute. Oh my God. Collect owls and bring them back to the owl forest. And then you like bring them back and the King owl does his little like, stance and then like flies up in the air and like throws stuff at you for bringing back his owl friends it rules um but like i i think a lot of these characters have their own individual arcs that make a lot of good sense for who they are and develop well over time and then find they find cool ways of making them intersect with each other's personal growth so like law is learning what it means to be a man and all that you know he's his you know, he's, he's got a lot of issues of, you know, what does it mean to be a man in this world? And so he also has to deal with that while dealing with his own preconceptions about Renan's and all that. And then Rinwell's over here trying to deal with like long held trauma while also dealing with her own preconceived notions of yeah. who people are. And it's like cool the, the way they like bring things together and, and make this cast feel really good. So, yeah, I the story gets into some RPG nonsense, like a lot of tales games do in their third act. But, uh, I was kind of expecting that to be honest. So, yeah, I mean, I don't want to give the impression that I think the story and characters are bad. I think they're great. Just, it takes a little while to get over that initial hump that, like I said, it's just wasted time because you know where they're going mm-hmm. to end up. And which is fine. I think they're, you know, they're a cute couple, but 
I, I will say that this game has a similar story problem to another recent Bandai Namco game, Scarlet Nexus. And one that I'm seeing more and more in games that bums me out is it has a villain problem. And I want <laughs> RPGs to have better villains. I like I I need RPGs with good villains. Well, that's in them. why you should be playing Final Fantasy 14 and meeting Emmett Self. C- clearly, I need to be playing 14 because I played when, when the Legendary Edition came out earlier this year and I was playing back through Mass Effect 1. I was just going, Saren is such a good villain. Like Saren is built up yes. so well and is so imposing. Right and there so from the start, dominates the screen every time he's mm-hmm. there. Great stuff. And and Tails has problems creating villains. I mean, it has good like moment to moment, you know, villain of the week type stuff early on. But when you get to the part where it's overarching stories and overarching villains, it's like I it it doesn't really land it there. So that that, that was maybe one larger bummer that ended up knocking it down a little bit for me. So I've been outside of the Tales fandom, by and large. Like, I've played Symphonia. I was Vesperia curious at one point. Mm-hmm. I have followed the ebbs and flows of the series over the years, and I'm aware that it has kind of a cult favorite audience. And what I've been able to glean is that people like a few different things from this. Mm-hmm. One, they like the kind of fast-paced, action-packed, a battle system that nevertheless manages to retain some of the strategy from the turn-based elements. They really like the soundtrack, but I think the thing that they like especially is that it's very anime, and most especially it is very light and very cute in that it has a sense of humor to it. Like I think that is the core of what really grabs people compared to, say, Dragon Quest, which is very... um, not it's not humorless but definitely not humorless but it is very traditional in the way that it approaches things in final fantasy which is just all over the place it really plays up the drama and everything so i'm curious do you agree with that sentiment eric and how well does tales of arise like capture that i think it i think i would agree with that uh like if to use a very cheap comparison i'd say like it has a saturday morning anime vibe like it has that feeling of you got really you started watching a shonen anime because you needed something to watch in the background but then it turns out halfway through one of the arcs it got really really good and so now you're like doing that instead of you know doing your homework or whatever uh it's got that kind of vibe to it uh but yeah the skits so the skits are where most of the humor comes from and that's the stuff where you know there's a big tales feature is, is that when you walk around on the overworld, you can jump into little mini events where your party talks among themselves. Some of them work really, really well. Uh, the big change in this one is that it's no longer the, the animated talking heads, like the sort of anime art talking heads that they've been for a long time. Now it's like 3d comic panel sort of stuff. Yeah, It looks good. It looks really good. It looks good. I think as the game went on, the animation of it started to wear on me a bit because I think this game looks gorgeous, but still has a little ways to go in terms of animating some of the cutscenes. Yeah, to make the characters I, I would look say like that some of the, the face rigging was weird. Yeah. Um, and again, like I know holding this game up to Final Fantasy VII Remake, which has you know, way more put behind it and is, is kind of unfair at times, but I was reminded a few times of how Seven Remake got me to care a lot about these characters just by making them look incredible. I mean, those characters look so 
scarily, eerily human and uncanny at times that you do develop a bond to them. And there's actually a scene early on in the game with Shion and Alfin that is eerily similar to the one with Cloud and Aerith at uh, Wall Market where Aerith comes out in the, the dress and there's fireworks oh, going off yeah. and stuff. There's yeah. a scene similar to that with Alfin and Shion early in the game. And uh, that was the moment where it kind of clicked in my head that I was like, yeah, this game looks really, really good. But some of the subtle emotions that were coming across well in seven remake from just the facial expressions and stuff in that scene didn't. I mean, Alfin was wearing a mask in that scene, but <laughs> uh, there, by the way, after that, later on in the game, there's a part where you come back from this horrifying event and a character talks to Alfin and is like, Are you ready to go? And Alfin's like, yeah. Uh, are you going to ask me if everything's okay? And the guy says, no, I can tell by the look on your face. And I don't know if that's supposed to be a funny joke about him wearing a mask or if they forgot that he's wearing a mask for that I line. I missed that. It's, I tried to screen cap it because it is, I remembered it from the preview we did as well. And I was just sitting there like, do they not know he's wearing an iron mask right now? <laughs> are we not talking about this? Isn't it polite to talk about if this? If it's a joke, it's a good joke. But <laughs> that, that would be a really good joke, but I know exactly Inappropriate what you mean. Inappropriate at the time. But yeah. <laughs> Um, anyways, yeah, so it's, I, th- that comes across a lot in the skits is that like things that should be a little bit more humorous or emotional or just kind of drawing something out of you doesn't come across as well as it did with the anime heads in previous ones. Cause with the anime heads, they kind of do more. And there's also like a comical element that they do. And you'll probably see this a lot in Vesperia where they'll kind of have them like bob around almost like they're South Park characters or something when they're doing things. One of my favorite Vesperia bits is uh, Yuri and the girl, I can't remember her name, were talking about something. And Rita was her portrait starts chasing the mm-hmm. little brat and just mm-hmm. off the screen. I thought that was hilarious. It's they do good bits with that. And I don't yeah. think they got any of that in. But I think if this is like Arise is like them saying this is what the idea is moving forward. And I think if they establish that now and say, like, this is what we're doing, you know, we've we've made the full jump that's something for them to build on and do better with future ones. So I'm right. not as, you know, that's like a, a nitpick if anything, just from somebody who cares too much about tales. <laughs> but yeah, I, I definitely say that. And also like to your point, the combat retaining a level of strategy definitely holds true in this game too, because um, we talked a lot about like, you know, the dodge rolling and, and yeah. how actiony the combat is, but that's only really if you're playing as Alfin, like you can switch to playing as any other character in this game. And I tend to stick to playing as the protagonist in these games just Same. because that's how I played tales. But, uh, Rinwell, the mage is stupid fun to play as in this game. Oh, Really? Cause I never tried her at all. Actually. She, um, she has like two big things to, to what she does is that one, she can charge an art instead of, and instead of casting it, she can basically pocket it and yeah, store she's it like the villager from smash. Yeah. And so, but that means when she casts her next art, they can stack on top of each other. So if you cast two low level arts, it will cast the higher level version mm. of that art. Uh, you right. know, you cast two fires and they make fire or whatever, um, to use final fantasy. But, <laughs> uh, <laughs> But you can also combine arts. So later in the game, when you start getting high level arts, you can start combining them together to make new arts and access new abilities that you can only get by combining stuff or or even reach higher level stuff that you would have to normally grind to unlock or get to a higher level to unlock. You can get to it early if you know the combinations. 
and that's like a very good tales thing uh tales loves to do combined arts in some of the the earlier games so i thought having that here was really good and then her boost attack which is her assist um she does magic damage but she also like steals a spell from an enemy and seals the enemies off from casting for a little while which is good because arts hurt you a lot but also because now you can steal the spell and that's really cool too like she's a really i described it to my friend as this is what i've always wanted a blue mage type character to be right is this idea of not just getting cool spells from monsters but actively having that give and take of I'm taking away your spell casting and throwing it back at you, that sort of thing. Uh, plus the combining of magic and, you know, not really being a dedicated certain kind of mage, but kind of, you know, multi-purposing and using your ability to use them all to mix them together into something that is just as powerful. I think it's a really cool concept. All the character designs are very, very interesting and different and and fun to do. But Rinwell was the one that jumped out at me. Yeah, isn't this the first Tales game to have guns? I thought I, I thought I read somewhere. Oh, see, that's a really good question because I want to say that there's another character that at least uses guns in some way, but I might be thinking wrong. I'm trying to remember if does the pirate girl in Vesperia have like cannons or something? You might be right. So I'm not 100 as one of sure her arts myself. moves or something. Yeah, um, but I'm talking about like a weapon. Like oh, just as a weapon. Here. Yeah, I yeah. can't think of anyone off the top of my head that. But also, again, I have some blind spots in the PS3 era, so there might be somebody in there. But Yeah, because I'm mostly stuck to Alpha, and I just found him so much fun to play mm-hmm. that I never felt any compulsion to switch. I'm not a magic user. I'm not really much of a long-range attacker, except sometimes I play an archer. But Alfin's strikes and stuff just mm-hmm. felt really amazing to me, so I stuck with him. He's like ber- he's like a berserker, too, because you get yeah. the ability to like spend your health to EX your moves. And that's, again, using fighting game terminology. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, it kind it of works a fighting well. game-like, right? Oh, yeah. In, in many, many ways, yes. Because it's it teaches you at first. It's like, hey, here's your basic attack. Use that a few times. And you're like, cool. It's like, okay, now hit with the basic attack. And because you've hit the enemy and you know that they're not blocking and they're open to attacks, use an art because it'll do damage here. And you're like, cool, awesome the game secretly taught you how to hit confirm (laughs) and it's like okay now do three attacks in an art and then use your launcher art and now you can take them into the air and do three more attacks and then you can reground them using your like re-landing down yeah and at that point you're just you're playing guilty gear (laughs) which reminds me isn't guilty gear like sorry not guilty gear but there's a bunch of tekken costumes uh, in uh that there, game. there is a tekken there's like a tekken i want to say it's a nina costume that's in yeah. here there was for the review they gave us a bunch of like dlc stuff like outfits and things like that and yeah, i just kind of looked nina at stuff. it and was like eh. <laughs> and, no i put all that shit on right away Are you kidding me like oh cool i have wolf ears i have a wolf in my party i have a i'm cat. so <laughs> purist when it comes to this stuff it's <laughs> no, the one the non-tails thing about because i was thinking i was like i'm going to have to take screenshots for review for this eventually and i can't be in like in a dead serious cutscene where someone is like trying to not murder someone or there's like a horrible like pall of death happening around there's some messed up stuff that happens there in the is story of this I, game. I have to admit like uh, there are there there have been moments where someone's like screaming in agony and they have mm-hmm. cat ears and <laughs> like, can you imagine the end of the menencia arc and there's all that terrible stuff going on and they're all dealing with all their built-in trauma and you're seeing this like war crime that has happened in front of you and then it pans over to Alfin and he's got like cat ears and a dog tail on and he's like this is terrible <laughs> i gave him rabbit ears i said there there's my male Vieira. 
Yeah, I I think I for a little while had rabbit ears on Shion just because that felt like a good Final Fantasy twelve throwback. She's a total Viera. Yeah. Yeah, coming from the guy that's never played Final Fantasy twelve, I know. No, but you're absolutely right. Uh yeah. No, this this. I'm just constantly impressed by the way that Tales of Arise manages to make this game feel like a Tales game while also making it feel like the most approachable a Tales game has ever been and easily the one I would recommend to somebody who's never played this series before and wants to get in. Uh, Yeah, definitely. Like I am quite new at Tales and I would say this is a good one to get into. Mm hmm. Nadia has secretly been a Tales fan all along. She just doesn't know it because she started. <laughs> she picked up Tales of Vesperia randomly. She's like, I'm into this game. Look at these funny characters. <laughs> I think that probably Tales is your jam. You don't even realize it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I've always liked what little I played of Tales, even before Vesperia. Just the translation of that game ruined it for me. And Vesperia, I like the characters a lot. I like the story a lot. And I think the battle system in arise really just it's so accessible but so fun and i'm not saying this period has a bad battle system but i think the engine upgrade really did this game so many favors yeah being able to like free move a little bit more and having it feel a bit more 3d and exactly uh having that not just like a range of movement but just I don't know. There's something about the camera angles and I will say the camera gets a little wonky when you start dealing with really, really big enemies Um, just by nature of like near the end of the game, you start dealing with some really large sized enemies that uh, you kind of can get caught in the geometry of them and stuff like that. But for the most part, just having a different camera angle on all this where it's not trying to center you into that 2d mindset. And it's just trying to be like, let's have a 3d look. Uh, I really feel like like playing Scarlet Nexus earlier this year and then playing this game. Now I feel like I can almost see the threads that might've been happening at Bandai Namco as this was being developed, where these teams were starting to think about what does an action RPG look like, especially now that so many other devs are starting to make action RPGs and redefine what they were when like tales was kind of one of the only games in town for that for a long time. And you can see that reflected in just the little differences that arise makes to make it all feel more modern, even when the core of it is still very much like slap, slap, slap demon fang, like (laughs) (laughs) 1700 uses of demon fang, by the way, (laughs) I, Oh, so you checked your stats on that one, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I went back because when I was getting my review ready, I was like, okay, cool. Okay, draft's done. I wrote like 2,200 words about Tails because I have a problem. And <laughs> I, got, I got it all in the CMS. I'm going to go look at my PlayStation now and figure out what screenshots I have that I can use that aren't too spoilery. And I opened it up and it was 950 screenshots. Wow. <laughs> I took I 950 screenshots of this game. It's that good looking. It's that interesting. Uh, That's so an amazing I w- feeling. When you're reviewing a game, you're like, damn, this game looks good. I just need to get the perfect screenshot. Oh, this looks great. Trying to like nail the moment when most of the UI had faded on a boost strike. Like there's a screenshot in my review on destructoid.com of Kisara doing the obelisk blade finisher, which is like one of the coolest things in this game. That's insane. Those finishers rule. And uh, I like got one where it was just perfectly timed where there wasn't too much battle UI on the screen, but it was still bright and it wasn't like fading to black out of the battle or anything. And I was like, yes, I did it. (laughs) 
it's a very unique games media problem that we run into <laughs> is trying to screenshot a very specific thing. There was a great image just recently of uh, games media in the 80s doing a screenshot with a uh, an old school PC. And it was like looking into, a, a, I don't know, a microscope or something like mm-hmm. that. It was it was quite wild. So we are very privileged in the games media these days. Our, our old pal Jazz Rignall could tell us all oh, about that. She has written really <laughs> fascinating articles yeah. about what it took to take screenshots in the olden days. Oh, my God. Insane. So Tales of Arise, at the end of the day, do we think this can be a breakthrough moment for the Tales series? Will people finally kind of sit up and take notice of the Tales series in a way that I would say that they really haven't to this point? Or is it maybe a little more of the same? I think this is the right time for a Tales game to have a breakout moment because we are at a point where I think a lot of people who want an RPG are looking for an RPG. There's not really a Final Fantasy or a Dragon Quest or anything that's coming out right now that could muscle in on it. Or even a Western RPG. Like there's no Fallout or Outer Worlds. Exactly. They they all went to go do, you know, Fallout's doing Fallout 76 and Skyrim's launching again. And (laughs) uh, everyone's doing their own thing. If you want like a single player RPG that can give you, you know, bare minimum 40 to 50 hours of content and at the higher end, like so much replayability through post game content and side quests and new game plus and all that uh, like this this will get you there and it is a quality product that even if this isn't normally your thing, I think even people who would not be into it would be willing to try it. So it feels kind of like tales of symphonia in that way, where this is like primed and positioned to make a breakthrough. And also I it's, you know, it's just arbitrarily cheaply. It is like really highly rated and people pay a lot of attention to critic scores open critic stuff i guess so i think it scoring so highly on that stuff made a lot of people suddenly perk up and be like oh um so yeah a lot of people are perking up uh, as you said it's kind of an Mm -hmm. eye-opener people are paying attention to the series Mm -hmm. in a way that they haven't in the past i think it's been long enough too. like the five-year gap from brazaria honestly probably helps it a bit because it's kind of like you know, when Assassin's Creed took a break and came back, a lot of people were like, oh, yeah, I haven't seen one of those in a while. Maybe this is time to jump back in. Whereas if this came out two years after Berseria, I don't know if even if it was this exact same game, I think you'd have more trouble getting people into it. I think the last time people were talking about Tales, like actually talking about Tales was maybe Exilia. Like that game, yeah. I felt yeah. like was driving conversation in JRPG circles, if not necessarily broader circles. Mm -hmm. I think the only thing that Arise is missing is it needed to have been day one. Day one game pass, I think, would have put it over the top. (laughs) I I don't know. I like like Game Pass. I have Game Pass. Uh, I'm also very much like... it, It would have been a benefit to it, but... I am kind of glad that this is coming out there and just being like, no, this is this is Tales of Rise. Get in, get into Tales of Rise. I know there are people, but it's it's got a demo. That's the nice part. Yeah, like it has a demo, which not a lot of games have these days. It's not one that carries over because they basically like slice. Once you play the game, it's really weird to see the demo because they basically sliced an area and then like cobbled together a quest line that is. 
I don't think it was in the game. And it's definitely like the boss fight you do is not a normal like storyline boss fight you do. And so it's kind of just like they threw together some stuff that works and they were like, here you go. Here's the, here's the vertical slice of this game and it doesn't carry over or anything, but it does give you a really good idea of what this game plays like once you're 10 to 15 hours into it. Nadia final thoughts. I think Eric is pretty much on the nose here. I think if, if uh, tales is going to break out again, this is the time for it to happen. And I think the high scores are going to be a big help. And the general buzz on social media right now is really, really good. Like people, I've already seen quite a few reviewers say this is probably one of their games of the year. And I think it could, it's definitely contended for me as well. It's, I think what's really good about it is even though the story can be a little bit cliche, it does get better. And hell, if you're not already like saturated with, with anime tropes, then you might even enjoy it that much more because it'll be kind of a new experience for you. But the battle system, I think, is going to win a lot of people because the fights in this game are just so quick and easy and frantic that they're they're hard to resist. Like, mm-hmm. even though Tails is known for its more rapid fights, like this is really, really just in, out, you're done. Hey, here's a bunch of rewards because you did great. You can do combo encounters where you get like the more fights you do in a row, the more rewards you get a little bit like I think the Default second layer did that. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so I think it has the potential to really get people's attention especially since i think bandai namco is pushing this game pretty hard oh yeah wild to me that a tales game is one of the best looking games of the year and that it is leading the pack this should be Mm. a final fantasy game okay this should be final (laughs) fantasy 16 right here and the fact of the matter is bandai namco is completely not eating square enix's lunch but just like exploding out of the gate like, come on, Square Enix, take freaking notes. <laughs> they probably are. I mean, well, uh, maybe they're relying on Endwalker and then 16 will be out after that. So, yeah, yeah, I, I know. It's just, but even Final Fantasy 16 does not look that impressive, ultimately. I think it does, but that's a whole <laughs> other podcast. What, what about Final Fantasy 16 looks impressive to you? The art style is dour. It looks so the, much like Game of Thrones. It looks like a PS4 game. <laughs> I it's mean, very, we'll very, see. very we'll Heavensward. Maybe that's why I like it so much. But in Heavensward, they have like the sick dragoon armor, don't they? They have like the cool. That, that's the thing that I'm missing from 16 so far is I want to see cool armor and like that's still fair. some fantasy elements. And and all I've seen so far has really been more in the realm, of, at least of what people are wearing. And I, you got to look cool in anime in, in like well, in anime, <laughs> obviously, but in RPGs, like you have to look cool. And that's one thing that Tails Nails is like people look cool in this game. <laughs> yeah, Tales of Arise really hits the zeitgeist, I think. I think mm. the zeitgeist is definitely to the very anime, very extra look of mm. Tales of Arise. And frankly, in motion, it looks gorgeous. It's a showpiece game mm-hmm. on the PS5 and Xbox Series X. And we have not had many of those games. That's why I thought it should be on Game Pass, because if the name of the game is getting it in front of more people, more eyeballs, people who would not normally play a Tales game, maybe that's one way you do it. Hmm. That's fair. Could be. But I think that this is going to be a good as good as opportunity of any for them. I mean, Arise also feels like it was a bit of a you need to get this right. (laughs) I think if this had gone wrong, I would really be wondering if we'd see another tales game after it 
So yeah, one of yeah. their longtime producers left, and mm-hmm. I think went over to Square Enix, and then subsequently got fired or left. Ooh, juicy. Yeah. So uh, it was in a different hands of a different studio, and I mean, we'll go into this in the Vesperia podcast. But once upon a time, Bandai Namco had you know aspirations of making this basically an annualized franchise. They had the whole Tail Studio and everything. Mm-hmm. So you're right. Like the Tales series is kind of been in limbo. For a few years now and you you might not be wrong it's like if they blew this one if it didn't go well who knew when the next tales game might be happening it might be time to move on so if tales of arise does well and there's every reason to suppose that it will uh it could be kind of a revitalizing moment i just hope that bandai danko doesn't again run it into the ground as they kind of did with the previous games yeah and i mean there's there's like the other aspect of it, which is there is like a mobile game on the way for Tales. And I think that's Here where we would, go. <laughs> that's where it would probably end up going. Oh, look, a free to play uh, massively online gotcha game. Interesting. I already got hooked on one gotcha. You can't get me on another. All right. I, I downloaded the pinball gotcha on a whim and, and got two five stars. And now I have to play it or else, you know. <laughs> What am I doing? So, or else the FTP, the free to play goblins drag you away. I exactly. Mean, I got the good RNG in one gotcha in my life. I never got it in Fire Emblem Heroes or any of the other gotchas I've played, but now I've got it in World Flipper. So now I have to play World Flipper. <laughs> and that is our review of Tales of Arise. Go check out Nadia's review over on RPS. Eric's review is over on Destructoid. And I'm here interested to hear your thoughts. Can sign up on our Patreon. You can share your thoughts over on our Discord, patreon.com slash bloodgodpod, or send me an email, cat at bloodgodpod.com, or DM me on Twitter at the underscore catbot and share your thoughts on Tales of Arise. I want to hear your thoughts on this one. It could be a contender for one of the best RPGs of the year. We shall see. I am looking forward to playing a lot more of it myself. And hey, the fall release season is off and running here on Acts of the Blood God. All right. And that is the end of our episode. Thanks so much for listening. As always, if you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review. It brightens our day and helps the visibility of the podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at the underscore catbot. Nadia is at Nadia Oxford. Eric is at C Moosey. And hey, Eric, I hear you have this podcast that likes to cover RPGs. Go ahead and promote it one more time. I do. Normandy FM, uh, which is currently in the middle of its Final Fantasy X season, but we have previously covered several Bioware games, including Mass Effect, Dragon Age, and Jade Empire, as well as the Last of Us series. Uh, we are now on Final Fantasy X and eventually X-2 and all the other weird stuff that X got into, because apparently, I didn't know this, they did stuff after X-2 where Titus dies and because he kicks up oh, right bomb, he kicks like one of the the bomb monsters is pretending to be a blitz ball <laughs> which is actually hilarious to me <laughs> i think we talked about that didn't we cat we did i could not get through reading the summary until oh, you died. i died i right. almost died laughing yeah, yeah that was hilarious like you pick the most wily coyote way to kill off <laughs> like a <laughs> beloved character that you've taken through multiple <laughs> entries and like how all of 10-2 is about finding Titus and getting Titus back and all that. And then you're just like, what if he kicked a blitz ball and it blew up? <laughs> <laughs> so Final Fantasy X uh, is a shit post at the end of the day, is what you're telling me. Yeah, the whole it kind of rules. <laughs> That's great. <laughs>
<laughs> yeah, so we were covering that. Uh, friend of friend of the USG folk, uh, Mike Williams, was actually on that recently, as was uh, Ash Paulson, and we've had some other cool guests, and we will have more cool guests as as time goes on. So check that out. Check it out, indeed. All right. We'll be back next week, as always, for more RPG goodness and a special Tales ranking episode. So please look forward to that. Until then, for Nadia, Eric, myself, thanks for listening. Happy adventuring. They like the soundtrack and that kind of thing. And they like... God damn it. It's because... Somebody cooking? Somebody's cooking right now. Perfect. So it's like smoking Making steaks or something? I once really (laughs) fucked up a bag of popcorn and that wouldn't stop. So I understand it could be a problem. This happens regularly, actually.